You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I have one. Um. Oh, wait, no, I lost it. Welcome to Oddball. Before any of you smartasses say anything, yes, I get it. The picture isn't great. Yes, I get it. The sound isn't like it usually is. Yes, I get it. I'm not in studio. Yes, I get it. The background is kind of fuzzy. Yes, I get it. The lighting isn't great. I get it. I get it. I don't need to hear it. I don't need a comment. I don't need a tweet. I don't need any of that stuff. I just need to do Charlotte Wilder, who's joining me. And we've got a show for you today. I'm not going to call it a hell of a show. It's a hell of a show from a certain point of view. But uh, a little bit later, we'll be doing word count because it is Wednesday. And that's what we do on Wednesdays. Isn't that right, Charlotte? That is it's word count Wednesday. Show them pause off. There they are. Oh, oh I have a new on. background. I I noticed. Yes. You, you know, the, uh, you yeah, Alex or or what? There's a chat going in. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Alex, our editor, was like, uh, "I'm going to send you some licensed pictures that you can yeah. use." Um, and I liked this one. I think it looks like my head is the basketball. I mean, it looks like you're getting dunked on. Which like I sort of am. Whenever we do this, <laughs> let's be honest fair let's start today over in the bay area with the golden state warriors where warriors gm mike dunleavy jr sat down with sam amick and anthony slater of the athletic and they talked about a variety of topics and one of the questions they asked him was about the second apron and this was mike dunleavy's quote this is courtesy of the athletic I think first and foremost for Joe and the whole franchise, I think the rule changes are a compliment. (laughs) You know, they're making rules to prevent you from succeeding. And I think that's the way that some of us are. And certainly Joe sees it. There are now financial implications that would keep us from going to a certain level. The star player rest stuff. This is where he's talking about the player participation policy. Uh, as well, a little bit seems to be targeted at a roster similar to ours. So I think, first of all, you take it as a compliment when, you know, just like Kareem, when they took the dunk out of the college game during his days at UCLA, you got to let it soak in and feel like, okay, we did something right for the changes to be seen as necessary. 
if you are the GM of a team, don't ever say things like this. All you are doing is making yourself look like an ass because you are letting people know that you assume that you guys are so great that they had to change the rules Mm. to stop you, which to me is really, it's like, if you have to say it, it isn't true. It's like, you're trying too hard to be confident. The best way to be confident is to not say this kind of thing and just be like, yep, well, what, what, what would you have said if you were, if you were Mike Dunleavy Jr. And they'd ask you about the second apron. Ask me about the second apron. Let's role play. You be Anthony Slater. I'll be Mike Dunleavy Jr. A lot of people have been talking about the second apron and, you know, how do you and and Joe and and the whole Warriors organization um, feel about these, these rule changes? Yeah. Anthony, I mean, that's a, that's an excellent, well thought out, brilliant, intelligent question. This is what makes you one of the best beat writers in all of the association. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on down here and ask me that question. I mean, the reality is it's just another obstacle that we have to deal with. I mean, it's a, it's a level playing field. Everyone's dealing. It's not a rule that applies only to the Golden State Warriors. It applies to the, all 30 teams. And so we've got to figure out a way to get our spending in order in a way that allows us the flexibility to do what we want. And if we feel like we can put together a team that is undeniable, we will cross that second threshold. But I, I don't think you can get caught up in the whys of a rule change. You just kind of have to accept that these are the rules now. Thank you so much, Mike. That's such a thoughtful answer um, that makes it clear that you are very confident in your role as a, a leader of that organization. I try, Anthony. I try. I swear to God, I try all the time. My dad's on the phone all the time telling me, Mike, you got to tell him that it was targeted against you. Mike, bring up Kareem at UCLA. And I'm like, Dad, relax. I got this. I'm the GM. Me. That's who. I didn't play all those years in Golden State when we were trash in order to come and become the GM and make something great trash, Dad. I came here to make it a winner or keep it a winner. I don't know. Everyone keeps comparing me to Bob Myers. I don't know. What what, what do you want from me, world? What do you want? Uh, well, Mike, with but- your questions. You think you're so snazzy there going on and asking all the new Sam Amick, why aren't you back in Sacramento? What are you here? What are you doing here in Golden State? You know what? You guys are like vipers, vipers, I swear, <laughs> just coming at me and spitting venom. You all want to bring us down. But I tell you what, uh, this Chris Paul thing, I stake my reputation on it. I stake my reputation on it. And you know what? I think he is going to be a master, master chess move that I made. And when we have this, the, the parade, mm-hmm. you guys better praise the hell out of me. You better say the name Mike Dunleavy Jr. better be the first thing out of your mouth. Well, Mike, yeah, well, Mike, a lot of what you said sounds like something you should talk about in therapy. But thank you so much for telling The Athletic. Uh, Speaking of Chris Paul, I mean, there is something there's a word count element to a recent article that that popped up. Shout out to my guy, Monty Poole, over at NBC Sports Bay Area. He wrote a piece about how Chris Paul can basically bring harmony and like take out all of the kind of rumors and conjecture and the noise surrounding his role by saying these words, Charlotte, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read them and Charlotte, you're going to do the word count thing. Okay. Yep. All right. So Monty says the veteran guard can issue these words that would silence the chatter regarding his role. 
I want to win everything else, including my role, is secondary. Oh, he went one over. I mean, 11 words. Come on, Chris. Charlotte's abacus or something. Seriously. I'm not. I think, listen, if he walks into that locker room mm -hmm. and that's the, that's, and he says only those 11 words, also using the word secondary, which is like not a big word, but feels a little bit like a big word. I think he would get absolutely roasted. I see you focused on the message. I focus on how I can get it down to 10 words. And I think I know how. (laughs) Oh, how? See, Monty made the mistake of because he's a writer and he's been a longtime writer in the Bay Area, uh, in the newspapers before crossing over to NBC Sports. But Monty, you got to leave all that APA style stuff back with the nerds are, man. Leave that with with the. the, the the pencil pushers. You got to write like a player would speak. And one little tweak. Monty starts with, I want to win. That's four words. Oh. Watch what I'm going to do here. I want to win. Three words. Now you Beautiful. got 10 words. Monty, congratulations. That's how you play word count on a Wednesday. Also, not a bad message. I see where he's coming from. But I don't I don't know if anyone believe would believe Chris Paul if he said that. The only thing I can say it reminds me of is when Dwayne Wade went to Cleveland. Remember, he, yeah, he yeah, signed yeah. with Chicago and then it didn't work out in Chicago. And so then he goes to Cleveland. And when he went to Cleveland, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, of course, he's going to start. And I was saying, are you out of your mind? How would that work? It wouldn't work at all. The fit would be awful. You can't start him in that situation. And. They started him, and it went poorly. And then they said, on second thought, let's bring him off the bench. If you go in there and you tell LeBron and Dwayne Wade, hey, Wade's coming off the bench, then it's like, yeah, these guys don't know what they're doing, and they won't be bought in. But when they do it themselves, when they they start and see how poor of a fit it was, then it becomes almost like it's their idea. You know what? Maybe Dwayne should come off the bench. Like, oh, yeah, good point. I feel like it would just be convincing Chris Paul. I don't know who on on the Warriors would be like, what? We want Chris Paul to start. And I think it's it would be just a Chris Paul situation whose emotions you would have to manage. There's not like the LeBron figure of being like, this is my best friend. You know what I mean? Sure. And I, I wonder also for Chris Paul, does, like, what are his impressions of what his role is going to be? Does he think he's going to come in there? Because everywhere he's been, he's had the ball in his hands. Even in Houston. I know people say, oh, in Houston, they gave Harden. But he handled the ball a lot. He had a lot of freedom and leeway uh, and ran a bunch of pick and roll stuff for them. Warriors don't really do that. Not that much. And so I wonder if he thinks he's going to play like that or does he understand? Hey, you're going to go run to a corner and then you're going to vacate that corner because Steph is on his way. Then you're going to run into a DHO with Draymond and <laughs> you might fake it. And like, does, is he aware that's, and, and is he, and even if he's aware, there's always two parts of this. One part is like, yes, I will sacrifice. I will do, do this. And the second part is actually doing it. No, it doesn't seem like a good fit. And I do wonder if Chris himself has thought about the reality of the situation because when you get into something 
and you have to do it, it is entirely different. And it, it, it has, I wonder, I feel like a place that this did work in terms of, quote, sacrifice was hardened on the Sixers until it all fell apart with in well, the playoffs. And then and and now you're dealing with the fallout of, of Harden being like, I did sacrifice. I did play the way you wanted me to. Um, and now it's a giant mess. I don't see that same mess happening to the Warriors in the same way with Chris Paul, but it there are levels to the sacrifice too, I think. Well, I mean, and I think an even hardened sacrifice, as we know now from the reporting of Ramona Shelburne, it was drag kicking and screaming the whole way. Yeah, right. Right? Like it's just it's it's not sacrifice if you have to remind everybody all the time, hey, I'm sacrificing over here. <laughs> Guys, I'm sacrificing. I'm not an all-star. It's because of all this sacrifice. <laughs> Adam Silver, I will not answer your call. I'm busy sacrifice. If you do it like that, then it's not sacrifice. Right. You have to actually believe it. It's kind of weird. You almost it's like a trust fall. You actually have to jump backward. I don't know. I've never done a trust fall in my life. I don't trust anybody. But you you get the <laughs> point. You got to dive in. And and if and if it's any part of it is what you're, you know, holding on to a railing on the side, then it's not gonna work. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens. And I think I just hope we get some really good reporting from inside that organ. I want I want to be a fly on the wall of the Warriors locker room all year. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no team that has a better press core around it than the Warriors. I know. That's why I'm like, oh, let's go. Give me the gossip. And and they all work for the athletics somehow. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's 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 take a break here. When we come back, Charlotte. Yep. There you go. The paws are up. Word she count Wednesday. Count. She, Monty, take note, but not yeah. from Charlotte. No. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Calculus, trigonometry, differential equations. No, just counting the 10. It is the great white whale in Charlotte Wilder's life. And that's why she hates this game. Word count. That's I'm right. the great white whale on our screens right now, actually. I mean, <laughs> this is the game where we read a question and the other person has to answer it in 10 words or less. And Charlotte demonstrates to the people how we'll know when we've hit 10 words. That's right. Counting on we our count fingers. Counting on our hands. Yep. And Amin, Amin counts like this. If you're a real oddball viewer, you'll know by now that Amin starts by going like this. He puts it, he does hand by hand if he needs the other hand. And I sit here like this because I am guaranteed to use 
all 10 fingers, but I'm going to try really hard this time. I mean, you look like someone who's like taunting the police to come, come arrest me, copper. Yeah, like, <laughs> you'll never catch me. All right, Charlotte. First question. <laughs> the team you can't help but feel bad for and why? This is a very Charlotte tailored question, Hollywood. It is. It is. Uh, all of them, because I can always find some reason to feel bad for somebody. Um, I, they call it over empathizing. I don't know. Uh, this one seems pretty easy to me right now, though. I'm going to say the Philadelphia 76ers because it's a freaking mess. Because I think the expectation, I think expectation correlates to how bad I feel for them. Like they were supposed to be contending for a championship. They still could be, you know, this season if Harden doesn't play and then you've got Embiid and it's like a wasted year. I don't know. I think that for for Philly, it is a very quick change from things are pretty good to things are very bad. And so I feel bad for them. Are you ready? Yep. What team needs an overhaul the most and why? Either mm. Portland or Atlanta. Ooh, okay. Because I think <laughs> uh-huh. they're directionless. Oh. Right? So that's nine words. They're directionless. Wow. Portland, yeah. look, they need an overhaul. It's going to happen when they trade Dame. They've been putting right. it off for too long. They needed to reset. It wasn't working, and they could have, if they had opened this conversation earlier, they could have gotten their pick of the litter. They could have had everybody line up. But they waited to a point. They said, we're not going to trade him until he says he wants out because they figured that would help them save face with fans or whatever. But when he wants out, then he has specifics of where he wants to go. If they had mm -hmm. done this a couple of years earlier, they would have been able to send them, I think, at least entertain sending them uh, to a variety of places. So that's one. Whenever you wait, you take your agency out of this. You, you, you cease yeah. to have control of the situation. And they decided to kind of hide from reality rather than face it up front. The other one is Atlanta. Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are two really good young players. But I don't think the organization has any direction. They're kind of right. listless. They don't have a, a defined style. They don't have a defined kind of pecking order hierarchy. And I think Trey Young needs to learn or needs to demonstrate an ability to be something greater than himself. And what I mean by that, mm -hmm. he's a great young player. But in order to truly lead a franchise, you have to be greater than yourself. You have to infect others with your greatness. I don't know if he's at that point yet. Him and Murray got to have some better chemistry together and it needs to bleed over to everything else. But I think a lot of that is because there's a lot of uncertainty in that front office. You know, they had the coaching switch last year. So Atlanta definitely needs to get its act together. All right, Quinn. Balls in your court, literally. Okay, I mean. All right, uh, next question. Explain the best place to sit in an arena besides courtside. Upper deck. Because camaraderie with crowd and great heckling hot dogs that's an upper deck exclusive what? is it hot dogs yeah they, 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 like downstairs they're like uh only our wagyu dog it's 75 yes. but upstairs hot dogs taste better the the farther away from the actual game you are I live for heckling. I want I want to be I want to be in a in a situation where people are getting creative oh, with it. You love for, you live for other people heckling. I'm about to say there's no chance you heckle. 
yeah, uh, come on, obviously. I like listening to other people heckle. <laughs> uh, That's depressing. That is a really mm. sad thing that I just said. I love listening to creative heckling while I just sit there and sort of laugh at them. My answer would be lower level angle. So this oh. is why. Watch this. If people go say, oh, I want like 50-yard line or whatever, those are the most expensive seats. The cheap seats, or the cheaper relatively, are at the angle because they're almost behind the basket, but they're not behind the basket. When you're behind the basket, you're obscured by the basket. It stinks whenever anything's happening in the middle of the floor because you're, you're watching the game like, like this, right? But when you're right. at the angle, you can see the entire court. And so those are the best seats. Uh, it's arguable whether you want to be behind the bench so you can see them kind of uh, like coming. I up like behind the bench. I like behind the bench so you can look over their shoulder. And and then when players are facing the other players, like when they're standing there and some people are sitting down, you can try to lip read. I, I like being opposite so I can see them. I can see okay. the bench. Like I can see their yeah. faces as opposed to the backs of their heads. Also, arenas, stop putting the tunnels in the angles. Those are good seats. Put the tunnels behind the baskets like they do in Phoenix, like they do in Brooklyn, like they do, I believe, in Sacramento. Behind the basket tunnels, great, because those are the worst seats in the house. I'm, do, I'm, I'm having to watch like this, like this. You know where they do that? You know where they do that, I mean? Where? UNLV, the Thomas and Mac yep, Arena. Thomas, shout out to Thomas and Mac. Shout out to shout Summer Shout out Summer League. We might still be there. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody has to know. Uh, all right, I mean, name a player deserv- deserving mm-hmm. of a nickname and give them one. Oh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. the last hope. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, the point guard position, as it was played for decades, is mm-hmm. damn near extinct. Everybody is now a scoring point guard, a la Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, uh, et cetera, you know, John Morant. And, and I'm not hating on that. Like, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. works. They're exciting. They win games. As a guy who worked with one of the greatest point guards of all time, Steve Nash, I pine for the guys that play like that. Chris Paul, I thought, was going to be the last of a dying breed. And I'm talking about star quality. Obviously, there are great kind of game-managing point guards all across the league. Guys like Monty Morris, Ish Smith, like uh, Ty, uh, Tyus Jones. Those guys exist, but I'm talking about the all-star, all-NBA quality point guard, MVP quality, like my two-time guy, uh, Steve Nash. Those guys are all but extinct. Chris Paul, I felt, was going to be the last of a generation there. And then Tyrese Halliburton came up. And I love the way this guy plays. I love the way he gets his team involved. I love the way he uh, orchestrates the game out there. He still scores. He gets his. But he's definitely someone who takes pride in playing point guard, being a point guard in the truest sense. So that's why I dubbed him the last hope. Last question. All right. The most fun player to watch in the NBA and why? John Morant, but. (laughs) Just stop there. (laughs) Uh, De'Aaron Fox, because sneaky and explosive. De'Aaron Fox is like a, you you just, he's, it's sort of like circus-like sometimes. Like he'll get an alley-oop or he'll, he'll, juke a bunch of guys and then go in and it's just very exciting i love watching him you know what's funny is uh i don't i'm almost certain you don't know this but darren fox and john morant are connected in a really weird way by me i don't know this by me by you yes so three years ago i want to say on yeah 2020 Mm -hmm. i was on the jump and Uh we were doing this uh this segment it's like quick 
quick hitters, right? Rachel asks a question to me. Rachel asks a question to Paul. Uh, like going back and forth, and we have like 24 seconds. That's including her reading the question to answer before we move on to the next thing. And so it was a John Morant highlight. Mm-hmm. And I said, John Morant is who De'Aaron Fox thinks he is. Yeah. And and by the way, if you ever see this on the internet, people say, so-and-so is who so-and-so thinks he is. I invented that. That was me. Okay. Right? So right. I, I said that because Ja played winning basketball. And I, I stand by that. He played winning basketball at the time. He's continued to play winning basketball. Obviously, he's got his off-the-court stuff, and that's problematic. But he was doing things to help his franchise win. I thought De'Aaron Fox is a good player, but, like, he wasn't doing those things at the time. De'Aaron Fox, someone posted and got upset. De'Aaron Fox got upset, and he, like, got in Instagram comments and called me a and then I was like, yo, I literally responded to him. That's all well and good, but May 25th, which is because it was that shortened season, that was yeah. the end of the regular season. I was like, you're going to be at home just like me. And, said, and he was like, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, all right, man, well, May 26th, I'll catch you at Chuck E. Cheese. And sure enough, they missed the playoffs because they're terrible because even though he was a talented player, I don't think he was doing some of the things that were requiring of winning. So they were terrible. And obviously, John Rant is having this ascension. But every time John yeah. Rant would play De'Aaron Fox, all these people would start saying, oh, oh da, da, da. You know, De'Aaron Fox would have a good game. He's like, ooh, he showed you. I mean, I'm like, the guy's on a losing team. So 2021, they were losing. 21-22, they were losing. 22-23, Sacramento has its great uh, rise. Obviously, Memphis, whatever happened with Ja and that off-the-court off stuff happens. So all that stuff rises up again. But my favorite part of it all, De'Aaron Fox became a better player. He, he yeah, was way better he defensively. He was way more uh, efficient and judicious with his, with his offense, right? Both team offense and his personal offense. And, like, there was a quote from earlier this season where they were like, yo, Mike Brown has really turned it around and he's kind of demanding these things of you. And De'Aaron Fox is like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see any difference between how I played last year and this year. I'm like... All right, man, whatever. Like, if you want to fight it, fight it. Right, you're in the playoffs this year, my dude. Well, well, and at that point, they signed me the playoffs. But, yeah, it was – the reality is the guy he was in 2020 was not as good as John Morant. And I would argue the guy he is now still isn't as good as John Morant, but obviously he doesn't have a whole specter of issues hanging over him. Wow. I mean, the great – six degrees of separation with Amin El Hassan. If you hear someone say so-and-so is who so-and-so thinks he is, or that again, that was me. Just like so-and-so's not walking through that door. You're welcome. Who is the most overrated player in the NBA and explain why, Charlotte Wilder's favorite player, Marcus Smart. Oh, no! What are you doing? I get it, though. I actually do get it, but I didn't admit that. Cut that part out. Cut that part out. (laughs) I'm the walrus. I'm the Eggman. Thank you for watching Oddball. Cuckoo, could you? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.